Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Politicana. Today we're on episode 38. We had missed last week due to some sicknesses going around, but we're back at it. Coming with the weekly shows, all the content for you, you guys. So of course you got your hosts, me, Tyler, and Pratik and Nick. How are you guys doing this fine Friday evening? Well, finally getting over this bad cold that uh, derailed the show last week. I apologize about that. But uh, given my extreme sickness and illness and generally not feeling well. Pratik, why don't you start us off talking about why you don't like vaccines? <laughs> I like Are you vaccines? a hater, Pratik? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our first topic of the day is Delta COVID unvaccinated. Um, tried to come up with a cool segment name. So as Delta variant surges, companies consider options on masks and vaccines. These companies include companies like Facebook, Walmart, um, Google, that have been starting to bring back masks and vaccines to their workplaces and they're trying to implement it. So everyone in their workplace has to wear a mask no matter what. Uh, while Biden also says federal workers must be vaccinated or undergo regular testing, masks, and social distancing. But the main reason why I want to talk about this is along with Delta variant, we've heard Fauci. Fauci's all about that we need to come back to the mask stuff. And a lot, two weeks ago, he was saying that as long as you're vaccinated, you're good. Now he's saying um, that, you know, you have to wear masks. Fauci never knows what he wants to do, but we all follow him because he's the word of God, because he's the science. So reason I want to bring this up when it comes to vaccines, when it comes to Delta, is whenever we discuss anti-vaxxers, we're always talking about anti-vaxxers. The news is trying to paint that all these Trump supporters are the anti-vaxxers. All of these, like, you know, like right now, NFL was trying to mandate something that everyone had to be vaccinated. And you got to see all these big, famous football players like D-Hop and Le Le uh, Leonard Fournette that are like, oh, we don't want to get vaccinated because, you know, it violates your human rights. But you're seeing the anti-vaxxers everywhere. They're made up of religious people that believe that, you know, God created the disease. So if you don't get vaccinated, you're I mean, if you get vaccinated, you're going against the will of God. You're getting a lot of African-American people that are non-vaccinated. I think the highest percentage of any minority group and majority group in our country right now is African-Americans that haven't been vaccinated. And then you have a lot of Hispanic Americans that live in close proximity to a lot of other Hispanic Americans that are all they're um, have a large percentage of unvaccinated people. Then you have a lot of people that believe that are like libertarians that believe if you force vaccines down your, someone's throat, you're violating their human rights and they need to be able to make their decision whether they want to get a vaccine and who's the government to tell them whether or not to get a vaccine. Then you got all these conspirators that are like, oh, aliens and stuff like that. Things, you know, government's trying to control people, all those kind of people. And then you got a lot of white low-income families that are not vaccinated. And that's who the media calls the Trump base. So I wanted to bring that up. I wanted to explain who all these anti-vaxxers are. Wait, it's I, not just Trump people, though. No, 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 I know. But the media calls them the Trump base, the white low-income families. I mean, everybody else... I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's not like 90% of the African-American population isn't voting for Trump, but a close to 75% of the African-American population is not vaccinated. That's a large percentage of African-American people. And the reason I'm bringing up all this stuff is because this is a problem. It's not a problem because of like how it's a problem because of how the media talks about it. Problem is the people that are not getting vaccinated are not getting vaccinated. There's even a lottery to try to get people to get vaccinated nowadays because they're like, yo, wish we were there. Maybe we would have won the lottery. But hey, we decided to get the vaccine first because we were like, we want to get it. 
So now this whole thing is kind of like just blowing up. Everyone has like their opinions on this. So guys, what are y'all's thoughts when it comes to Delta vaccine and people not being vaccinated and the large percentage of African-Americans, Hispanics, libertarians, and religious Americans that are not getting vaccinated? I mean, look, I get it. On the one hand, for some people, you know, you mentioned the African-American community where it's, you know, you look historically at, you know, different tests, the Tuskegee experiment where a bunch of African-American men were, I think were injected with syphilis. And you look back on that stuff and you're like, wow, that's pretty bad. Why should we trust the government? It's sort of similar to that libertarian um, bend to it. But even so, dude, I don't really get it. I mean, this time around, I think Bill Burr does a pretty funny bit where it's like, guys, if they're going after the sheep and whatever, you know, the first ones to line up to get vaccinated, you know, I, <coughs> oh God, all right, never mind. The, uh, the sickness is coming back to me. Um, let's, let's cut that one. Jesus Christ. I don't know shit about Bill Burr, okay? Um, but basically, the, the thing I don't get on the libertarian bent's or the thing I do understand, rather, is the fact that, hey, you want to be, you know, be cautious. You want to see what are the side effects. We saw a little bit with that with Johnson & Johnson. I think three people died because of blood clotting associated with getting the J&J vaccine. But apart from that, there haven't really been any other complications. And I get it, waiting, sitting back. But at a certain point, the risk of getting the virus sort of starts to outweigh that on a countrywide level where it's like, all right, are we going to permanently be in lockdown because some assholes don't want to get the vaccine no matter what? Like, sure, if it's like five people, who cares? But if it's tons and tons of people, like Pratik, you were saying, um, who are just not going to get it, period, then at what point do you have to start tying it to federal funding to say, hey, if you're going to opt in to, for example, sending your kids to school? We already require several vaccines to send your kids to school. Maybe this should be one of them. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting because right now, the only people that are really dying from this Delta variant are the unvaccinated people. So that's probably a good reason to get vaccinated. I will say I did get vaccinated and I did experience a, a, lot, like a certain amount of side effects. So I'm not really sure how to feel about that. I've talked to some other people that say they actually regret getting the vaccine because they're like, I want to have a child next year and I don't know how that's going to affect my child. This is a non-FDA approved vaccine. So I think there are some valid criticisms, but if we're trying to get over this pandemic, how do we get over things like polio, for instance? Like everyone has to take the vaccine or it's just not going to go away and it's just going to continue to mutate. And then the vaccines are going to be, they're not going to work anymore. So ultimately we need to get a vast majority of the population to get vaccinated. I don't want to force anyone to do it. I thought it was funny that Pratik brought up the lottery. It's like, yeah, if you actually got it when you were supposed to get it, you're not part of this lottery. But all of a sudden, hey, we need you guys to get it. So here's a million dollars, but potentially uh, that's just funny. Uh, another point, though, that the federal government, they want uh, federal employees to either wear masks or be vaccinated. I don't have too much of a problem with that. Um, it doesn't even seem like they're actually going back to the offices very soon. And I think this is going to delay that further. Uh, employers, for instance, are finding that their employees don't want to return to the offices. Uh, what do you guys feel about that? Do you think that people should get back to work at offices or do you think it's fine to telework at this point? Um, so for me, I think for D.C., I mean, D.C. is uh, mandating a mask mandate again starting tomorrow. So, I mean, you're seeing a few things, and Pratik mentioned this with Fauci, where, you know, you come out and you say, all right, guys, don't wear them. Like, all right, we need to wear the mask because of the Delta variant. And then everyone's like, oh, my God, Fauci, what are you talking about? If you get the vaccine, you're okay. You've been saying that for a while. He's like, all right, fine. You get the vaccine, you're okay. Don't worry about it. And then sure enough, a couple of weeks later, it's like, oh, guys, we need to wear the masks again. It doesn't matter if you've got the vaccine or not. 
And I think that's the the real issue is like, okay, what is the incentive for, <laughs> you know, some of these people who haven't taken the vaccine to then get it? Because it's like, all right, so you're telling me if I don't get it, I have to wear a mask and be in lockdown. And if I do get it, I have to wear a mask and be in lockdown. What What's the benefit here if we're going to have to do but it? But let's be real. The people that were unvaccinated stopped wearing masks when everyone else did. Uh, there was really no way to verify it. And that was a large part of the problem. Like everyone just went, hey, I guess we don't have to do masks anymore because a bunch of people got vaccinated, even though I didn't. And those are the guys spreading it all. So, so, oh, so I wanted to pr- provide more insight onto this. So we, um, I found that article. So there's a political article. It doesn't really necessarily say what percentage, but it says close to 75% of the African-American population hasn't been vaccinated. So I don't know if that's like complete fact, but it's a political story. So I'm trusting the word on this one. But overall, I wanted to explain why, what are the reasons why Americans don't want to get vaccinated? And there's various reasons to it. And it kind of, this is where socialist, um, you know, extreme mothers that are like, you know, feel like vaccines are going to cause health, warm, you know, health effects to their children, religious autism. people, yeah. autism people. Like there's so much like, or people that believe that it causes autism. I shouldn't say autism people. But it's such a, like a large, vast, group of people is one of the most bipartisan groups of people i've ever seen it's so bipartisan that this is where you get the religious nut jobs your hardcore libertarians that don't believe the government should have any control over anything and the angry mothers all on the same page because yeah, it, for dude, different reasons it, they're all anti-vaccine so if we're gonna have a third party in this country <laughs> it's gonna be the anti-vax party <laughs> that's all they're gonna stand for. Even Jill Stein. I don't know if you remember Jill Stein. She was a candidate in 2016 that yeah, ran against Gary party, Johnson, right? Hillary Clinton, and Donald Trump. Green Party candidate. She's a doctor, but she's anti-vaccine. I mean, even the biggest critic right now in the Senate has been Rand Paul of Fauci, and Rand Paul's also a doctor. So, like, you know, this gets really deep. He's an optometrist, but, dude. He's not a real MD. He's Let's an eye be real. doctor. Exactly, and I'm What the hell does he know semantics. about anything? Hey, he fixed Harry Reid's eye. That's all you need to know. And Harry Reid was the most powerful Democrat at that time after Obama. But no, so in terms of um, the reasons, is the first reason is lack of access, real or perceived. So according to the Kaiser Family Foundation surveys, about 4% of Americans intend to get the vaccine as soon as possible, but haven't yet, and another 12% are in wait-and-see mode. A lot of people want to see how people are react to the vaccine. There's also a large percentage of employees, people that are below the income levels, that feel that you know the vaccine's going to mess them up for a day or two because they won't be able to properly utilize their arm. And because of that, they don't want to get the vaccine because it might mess up with their job routines. And this is why they talk about the Trump base, the Trump base, oh, all these poor American, all these poor white people, they're against everything. But there are a lot of the people that make up a lot of the minimum wage workforce and people that need to work every day. And a lot of those people don't have the same ability as a lot of us wealthy, educated people do, that we can just go get the vaccine whenever we want to get it because these people have to work on those days. So they don't have access to it. And then the second reason, um, which they they don't, there's people that don't think COVID-19 is a threat. A lot of these people in terms of Vox are connecting this to former President Donald Trump claims who, I mean, they always try to bring up Donald Trump on all this COVID vaccine stuff. 
But, I mean, there is a argument that Donald Trump didn't, like, you know, downclaimed how intense COVID-19 was. But Donald Trump also came up with the vaccine. So, I mean, like, it depends on who you ask on that one. And then vaccine side effects, which I just said. Lack of trust in the vaccines because they feel that it was rushed through the FDA process. And then there's people that believe that you can't believe in the government institutions because the government is trying to hack our brains and they're trying to control us. So the vaccine is like a minor control chip so the government well, they, controls they, what we they do. think there's a microchip actually in the vaccine that's yeah. built to control us like i'm not buying that one but a few of the other concerns i can get i can get you waiting a little while to see other people see if they do it or not i don't understand the people that say i'm going to get it right away once it's available i mean i haven't been in the, everywhere in the country obviously but i see but signs depends. like every day saying free vaccine please get it come here it doesn't seem like it's that see, hard to find. i will i will say this whenever um i actually asked my employees this so, like, are you guys getting the vaccine? There were three people in my office, high up in our management staff, that didn't know you didn't have to get an appointment to go get a vaccine. And this is the case. There's a lot of people out there. I mean, in pl especially, I feel like in bigger cities. Like, I'm not saying Greensboro is a big city, but I'm saying that Greensboro is a bigger city than some other cities. And a lot of big cities are having that issue where people don't think that whenever they go get the vaccine or whenever, unless they have an appointment, they can go get the vaccine and they have to have certain things like they think that you have to be approved of before you get it. And there isn't many prerequisites to anything, any of this stuff, but this is like a misconception that a lot of people have. So I feel like if you are in that crowd, just know that you can go get the vaccine you don't really have to have that much. Even people that are illegal immigrants can go get the vaccine. Like, it's not like, you know, it's only restricted to legal people. That there is like, you know, there's a crowd of people that just believe that you can't get vaccines. And I just wanted to address that, you know, it's like there are a variety of people that are anti-vaxxers. And a lot of those anti-vaxxers are anti-vaxxers because they don't know they don't know that you don't have to get an appointment to go get a vaccine. I mean, it's as simple as that. So I feel like, you know, this group is very diverse and we shouldn't put like a bunch of pictures to try to explain these people because this group makes up a large diverse crowd of people so, so what's your what's your attempted solution to the fact that we need so my question is if we're, mm -hmm. if we don't have a certain percentage getting the vaccine are we just year after year going to be having variants of no, COVID so coming around and these lockdowns never end i have I'm a not solution. scientific i have sorry. a solution so all these vaccines think about ebola if swine flu vaccine any of these like you know major outbreaks that we have had none of them obviously have been as big as covid has been but all of these other major outbreaks the way that you get a lot of these anti-vaxxers to get the vaccine is you have to kids have to get those vaccines before they go into school and before they go into college they're required at every level or every stage so like middle school high school elementary school college grad school anywhere that you want to get into any type of educational facility kids are required to get all these immunizations and vaccinations of things that they've never even heard of so what happens whenever that happens is because kids are getting it the anti-vaxxers kids are still you know associated with the anti-vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers generally do feel that all right my kid is getting it if my kid gets it and has all these mental problems and has all these other you know physical defects that result from the vaccine which none of this stuff has been proven but a lot of people do believe this kind of stuff they feel that we should get it as well because my kid got it and because my kid got it i, I should get it as well just in case if something bad happens to them we all get the same consequence and there's a lot of people that think like that 
And the general, generally speaking, when it comes to minority populations, that's how you get them on board to get the vaccines, like especially African-Americans. And the reason I'm saying that is because when we think of anti-vaxxers, we're like, oh, these people never get vaccines. They're so bad, blah, blah, blah. There are some religious restrictions. There are some people that do have religious like things that allow them to not get the vaccine in some states like Louisiana. But overall, like all these people will end up getting the vaccine somehow one way or another because their kids have to get vaccinated. And the way COVID worked was like an upside down triangle. They didn't try to get kids vaccinated because they think that it's too dangerous for kids. So all these other people got vaccinated. And obviously you need to get kids and elderly vaccinated. Those are your two primary targets, right? So because they didn't get kids vaccinated. But isn't vaccinated, COVID least dangerous for younger people? Yeah, it is. But so is any so like disease. That's but Tyler, yeah. that's any but disease. I, I completely understand, but I, then it comes into the issue of your rights, your liberties. Like, do they have the right to say if you want to attend public school that you have to be vaccinated with a drug that doesn't didn't get FDA approved, by the way. It got emergency clearance through the FDA, but it was not FDA approved. So, well, as, that, as I would say, with any of that stuff, I mean, when it's kids, kids are less likely to get anything. Um, just because they have stronger immune systems, sure, kids can get it, elderly can get it, anyone can get uh, get the disease. And obviously, like it's with any disease, it's the same argument that they made, even without COVID, if it was any other disease like swine flu. But when it comes to COVID, particularly, they're not they're not completely sure about the vaccine. But I mean, whenever you have all these scientists and all these doctors like Fauci, Fauci's God, by the way, we all know that. So when Fauci is saying that you can get the vaccine, that means you can get the vaccine vaccine i mean republicans are not going to go against that because the republicans donald trump is the one that created the vaccine and democrats are not going to go against that because you know it's from fauci and fauci's god so you have to believe in the word of science so because of that like i feel like you get a lot of spectrums completed but until you get kids vaccinated you're always going to have the same issue because kids are usually the way you get anti-vaxxers vaccinated and anti-vaxxers will always be anti-vaxxers you're not going to be able to educate them into becoming genius phds and somehow turn them into non-anti-vaxxers because they're anti-vaxxers for various reasons here's what we're gonna do we're gonna give them vaccine vials which with whatever politician they favor the most so if they're trump people Give them a little Trump vaccine. They're Biden people. Give them a little Biden vaccine. They're, I don't know, libertarians. Give them, I don't know what you give libertarians. but Libertarians are uh, screwed, man. No, but at the end of the day, I don't think you're going to, I don't think it's just an education thing. I I just think a lot of people are just going to be against it. Unless they're forced to get it. We're going to have a percentage of the population that just says, no, fuck you. I'm not going to do that. And that's just how it's going to be. I, I, one, another question I do have is like, are we having as, as many COVID deaths now as we did like back at the beginning of this thing? Is it as bad? Because no, it's as far down. as I know, like for vaccinated people, it's not, like the deaths are just, it's just not. 99% of the vaccinated populations haven't had any issues. There is a 1% population of the, va- so, of the vaccinated so maybe, people that have had some issues. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is just natural selection doing its work. I mean, if you choose not to get a vaccine, you know only the people that get vaccines are, like, safer. Then, I mean, whose fault is that really at the end of the day? Yeah, that's true. So, all right, let's move on to the next topic. Next topic has been the second biggest thing in the news. It's all about the January 6th committee hearings. 
This is the most politically uh, motivated committee, in my opinion, but that's my opinion. And it's supposedly bipartisan, but is made up of seven Democrats, one Republican, and uh, Liz Cheney, and um, another Republican by the name of Adam, Adam Kinsinger. So uh, Bernie Thompson, Mississippi, is the chair, Democrat. Zoe Logren, California Democrat. Adam Schiff, California Democrat. Pete Aguilar, Stephanie Murphy, Jamie Raskin, Elaine Loria, all these random reps you've never heard of, all Democrats. And then Liz Cheney, who is one of the most popular anti-Trump Republicans in the House um, was selected by Nancy Pelosi, and along with this um, Demo along with this Republican from Illinois, Adam Kinsinger, and she rejected Jim Jordan and um, Representative Tom Banks. So she re she rejected a lot of these people that McCarthy came up with for the bipartisan committee, which was supposedly bipartisan. But the bipartisan committee is only bipartisan because they have two Republicans on there, one of whom is Liz Cheney, which I don't. I don't know if you guys remember Dick Cheney. That's his daughter. Dick Cheney, um, obviously, he was one of the most hated figures by the Democratic Party. Um, they had a whole movie about him called Vice, won all these Academy Awards. Literally, the movie's one point was to literally trash all over Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney was this, like, you know, warmonger, terrorist figure. He was horrible, according to Democrats. But there, his daughter, Liz Cheney, is now the most favorite Republican of them all, of the Democrats, because she's anti-Trump, vocally anti-Trump, and was kicked out of the GOP in terms of being the House GOP chair because she was anti-Trump. So reason I brought up all this stuff is because y'all understand that this committee is not really a bipartisan committee. It is a committee made up of seven Democrats, the most anti-Trump Republican, and a random Republican who no one's ever heard of. And out of those, um, out of that committee, the hearings that they've had have all been very partisan. They've like, you know, literally found people, found cops that were there that are, you know, calling them like terrorists that, you know, ran into the thing or ran into the Capitol. Anyone that was associated with them or supported them are all endorsing violence. And obviously the January 6th riot was bad. I'm not saying that it wasn't bad. Obviously it was pretty bad. It was all over the news. I mean, never seen something like this happen before. But in context, compared to other riots, other protests, it wasn't that violent. Only one person died. There was a cop that shot somebody in the face or, yeah, in the face that was a rioter. And that was one of the biggest news stories. And there were three, there was one person that died because of the stress and trauma it caused from them being a protester in the, you know, riot. And there were two cops that died trying to protect the people in the thing. So in the Capitol. But my point is that this was, we all know what it is. We all have our opinions about it. No one's confused. Republicans have their thoughts. Democrats have their opinions. And generally speaking, the Democrats, since, you know, it happened, have been trying to pin all this stuff on Trump because these were all Trump supporters. So they were arguing that Trump orchestrated the riot. But since the riot happened, they haven't been able to find any legitimate evidence saying that Trump was the cause of the riot. And it's still going to continue to be on the same way as it has. We don't know if, I mean, Trump people are good at hiding things, whatever the situation, but there's a lot of conspiracies behind it. The same way you got people that believe that brain chips control people, they also believe that Trump incited all these people to go riot. 
And maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but it's an opinion without any actual evidence. So this has been the storyline. Now you have all these cops that they're interviewing. All these cops are saying that, you know, this was the worst day of their lives. It was so traumatic. And, you know, they lost people out there and they were only two members of the police force that they did lose. Apologize about that. But like overall, this is a very politically motivated community. You personally apologize for Teak? You yes, personally, personally apologize, apologize for that? <laughs> all right, dude. All right, so we've yes. heard your opinion. All right, Pratik, let me, yeah, let me get a word in here, all right? So yeah. um, let me all shill right. for, for Pelosi just for a second because I sent you this a week ago. So um, both Representatives Jordan and Representative Banks, them being nominated to the committee was a total joke, a total sham. The thought that, like, for example, like, let's say someone, you know, supports... Uh, oh, my gosh. Actually, let me not even get the analogy. Basically, let me tell you in their own words. Representative Jordan, December 9th, last year. Quote, I don't know how you can ever convince me that President Trump didn't actually win this thing. He won 19 to 20 ballot, uh, bellwether counties. He won Ohio by eight, Iowa by eight. But the simple fact is when you have over 70% of the 75 million who voted for Trump, think the erection, the, sorry, not the erection, the election <laughs> was rigged. So that's Jordan. So Jordan is very much, he was actually in favor of what was going on January 6th. You could definitely say he was opposed to the actual insurrection that took place. But as far as the spirit of it, challenging the election results and saying, hey, this is illegitimate, Trump won, he's fully on board with that. So he's coming in thinking, we don't want to find anything that's going to screw our side over. Banks, same thing. You know, he calls out, you know, peaceful protest is healthy, but what is happening at the Capitol right now is unacceptable and un-American. That is fantastic. I agree with him there. And then let's look at what he put out as a press release the day before Pelosi took him off the nomination for the committee. He said, quote, if Democrats were serious about investigating political violence, and this is basically him saying, hey, look, thanks for um, nominating me for the committee. I think this investigation is a total joke. And here's what he says, quote, this committee should be studying not only the January 6th riot, but also the hundreds of political, violent political riots last summer where many more Americans and innocent law enforcement officers were attacked. Yeah, the thing is, you say it's valid all you want, but yeah. again, he's couching it. He's couching it, dude. Every time he's interviewed, especially represented, well, we're talking about Representative Banks here. Um, every time he's interviewed, he says, oh, what happened on January 6th? It was bad, but we shouldn't be investigating all this other stuff. Yeah, you can go ahead and investigate that. The point of this committee is to look at January 6th. If you are not on board with this, if you don't think it's that big of a deal, why are you being nominated to the, to the committee? Same thing with Jordan. That's my opinion. Okay, so let me let me respond to that. <laughs> can I can I just make one point really quick? Yeah. Why why is it okay for us to have this committee in the first place? Like, how how do you see it as non politically motivated? Because we already did have police investigations into this. So what possible evidence could they find? That would change anyone's opinion other than going into the midterms. They get to talk about how shitty Trump is. Uh, I, I don't think Nick it is disagreement. Yeah, yeah, it is politically Nick motivated. Agrees. But I'm saying like for the Democrat yeah. side, why would you ever accept Republicans being nominated who are so, fundamentally opposed to the committee existing in the first place and then being nominated? It's like, what what I call it? Rick Perry when he's like, okay. defund the Department of Energy. Yeah, and yeah, then he sure. gets appointed me, head of the Department of Energy. What a joke. Let yeah. me Let me respond. So generally speaking, any of these bipartisan committees are bipartisan because they have various members of both parties that are on the committee. Whenever you remember um, the whole Benghazi committee, right? 
the Benghazi times, whenever Hillary Clinton was being testified because there was like seven or eight like militants that were killed that were American soldiers because of what Hillary Clinton did. Now that stuff was all politically motivated. Republicans had their thing to say. And Jim Jordan actually was one of the big chairs of it. That's how he became really famous. Him and Trey Gowdy. But in terms of this, the fact that Nancy Pelosi wanted to bring this thing out and she only wanted to have two Republicans out of, um, you know, seven Democrats, it just shows that this is all really politically motivated regardless. And I get what your point is, but this is, I mean, in terms of the Benghazi thing, whenever Democrats were on the Benghazi committee, it's not like the Democrats were all like, you know, anti-Hillary Clinton. They were pro-Hillary Clinton. They, they believe that this thing was rigged and they are in the support of what she's saying. This is the same situation, but Nancy Pelosi went out of her way. Genius political move, by the way. If I was a Democrat, I'd be like, Nancy Pelosi is amazing. Republicans are so stupid. We can't even get people on a committee. Like, how dumb can you be? Like, you have to be as stupid as a figure as you can be if you're Kevin McCarthy because you couldn't get a bipartisan committee with more than two Republicans, even if you are against the thing. Like, at least you could have got three or four people somehow on there, but no, we suck at our jobs. How is like, that being stupid, the though, idiots that they, That's, because, that's because, just him rejecting because, it and listen, saying, listen, Pelosi, this but, is a joke. I'm going to nominate no, no, people but, but, knowing listen, that you're not going to want them and then turn it on you so that you look bad. I think yeah. that's smart. I think it's good on him. But with Nancy Pelosi, she chose all the seven people that are there. They're all her people. The four people that Kevin McCarthy had to choose, um, he wasn't given a choice. I mean, it was they five just plus rejected it. six because the ranking. You no, know, no, no. But she chose Liz Cheney. Republican side. But she chose Liz Cheney, and the ranking member is vacant. There isn't a ranking member on this committee. The rank, there are only two Republicans that they chose, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. And both of those were chose by Nancy Pelosi because they were anti-Trump. Now, the whole reason, you can make an argument that the Republicans are not trying to find people that are, you know, against the rights. That Nancy Pelosi people are just trying to find people that are anti-Trump to, and, 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 like, you know, argue that Trump was responsible for the riot. The argument is the same. I get what you're saying. But on the other side, you're not, this is not for a particular cause. You're not trying to accomplish anything. All the all the seven bozos and plus the two Republicans that Nancy Pelosi chose to be on this committee are all people that she knows will be anti-Trump. They have Adam Schiff the on there. I love how Democrats are bozos. And then for the Republicans, you're like, oh, yeah, then the two other normal people. <laughs> even <laughs> They're not normal even... either. Liz Cheney and Adam Kinsinger are also bozos. They're all bozos to me. They're politicians. Politicians are just angry, angry like, yo, minions that are told what to say. And they just say because say it because, you know, they get bought out to say Who are they the minions of, Pratik? But I think we've gone as far as we can on this conversation. They are minions of the big government. <laughs> the big government. Aren't they big government themselves? <laughs> Yes, they're controlled by the big businessmen. The curtain the falls lobbyists, away. All of those it's people. Pelosi on stilts yeah. in a hundred yeah, years all, from now. All, all, only She's just a brain in a vat controlling things. <laughs> but only, like, I, I know, me and Nick see this differently, but we both think it's politically motivated. I'm just arguing that Kevin McCarthy could have been smarter at least to get, like, three of his people on there like he had four options and nancy pelosi rejected them all and they just kind of gave it quits like nancy pelosi was a genius politician 
She did exactly what I would have expected a Republican to do. But you can't call it bipartisan when it's only seven Democrats and two anti-Trump Republicans. And, you know, the two anti and the whole debate is about whether you can incite, you can make Trump responsible for the riot. They don't even care about the riot, dude. They don't, they're not going after any of these people. They're just trying to prove that Trump did it. Like, that's all, that's the whole motivation of this committee. Like, at least with other committees in the past, like when they were like the Trump, like, you know, when they were trying to figure out whether the election was rigged or whether like Benghazi thing happened, all that stuff. There was an intention there. The whole intention of this committee is to prove that Trump was responsible for all of it. And the only reason they're doing that is so the Democrats can garner some more votes because Joe Biden hasn't been able to accomplish anything as president so far. But it's only been six months. Can't say that he's no, he's bad or anything. It's only been six months. I mean, it's fair. But, like, you know, that's the point, because they don't want to lose seats in midterms. The same way Trump lost seats in midterms four years ago. I mean, whether we like Trump or not, he did everything he said he was going to do, and he got elected for it, and then he didn't get reelected. So, I mean, this is the storyline. So well, I just wanted let's, to... let's hear from the storytelling master. Tyler, what are you thinking about this? Pratik and I have been at each other for a little while. What are your thoughts before we... Uh... I mean, I told you before, I think it's politically motivated. I don't think it really matters at the end of the day because I'm not sure what they're going to come up with. Like, they're going to go, yeah, it was Trump. And the Republicans are going to go... No, it was not. And then that's, that's going to be what it is. Like, I don't know what else is going to happen. What if it, it was Saddam Hussein? And stupid and... He's dead. What if, like, what if Trump was that's Saddam Hussein? Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm just very, um, I, I guess, I'm Skeptical. just not seeing the point. It's all political theater to me. And that's not as interesting to me, but, you know, is what it is. I don't think it's a bad move from either side. Because, like, even if there are no Republicans on this committee, sure, they'll, they'll use the name bipartisan. But we all know it's the Democrats doing it. Is anyone sitting there going, oh, yeah, this is a fair judgment by both the Republicans and Democrats? Like, no one's thinking that. No one's that. Maybe people are that stupid, but generally people aren't that That's stupid. what happens so when you have control of the House, baby. Your house, your rules. You're the majority. The minority just gets to and sit there and cry. And that's perfectly fine. But you're not going to convince me that after all this time, you're changing the hearts and minds of the people based off whatever this committee says. I think if you thought the you're riots right. were caused by Trump, you still think the riots are caused by Trump. If you didn't, you're not going to have your minds changed by Democrats going, oh, but look, these officers are talking about how terrible their day was. Like, I understand it was a tragic. You can both simultaneously think this is a tragic incident. It's not that let that And it wasn't again. done and by also, Trump. <laughs> and it and it wasn't doesn't it by Trump, at least at least um explicitly and yeah. I think that's the main key point here because if if something directly tied him and he commanded it to happen then there there could be an issue but I've not seen any evidence of that and I don't think that's gonna magically pop up so all right so that's we'll move where I'm on at. we'll move on to another Trump story um Justice Department tells IRS to hand Trump tax returns to Congress so. See, do we hold on? Do we care about this story? Let's be real. Yes. We've been hearing about Trump's yeah. tax returns I really for do, so dude. long, dude. The only reason dude. I care about this we shouldn't story... even pay taxes, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the the funny thing about the Trump tax returns is they've been talking about this thing since 2015, since the day Trump was like, "I want to run for president." The reason Trump became president is because the Democrats like to talk about his tax returns all Wait, the time. Wait, hold up, Do you know what's really funny about all this? This shows me how afraid the Democrats are of Trump. That's really what it shows me. Why else would they keep talking about it and bring him up if they weren't afraid as 
hell that he was going to come back in 2024 and really shake things up. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> they still want to smear him as a fraud so that he, he'll have a harder time running. That's I why think, they're doing the committee they also, hearing. They also want to be able to smear the Republican voter base as stupid idiot Dude, frauds. We're, we're, all, we're all deplorables, like, man. We know. Demagogue. All of the Republicans know that we're deplorable and we continue to vote for him because we're deplorable. But the Democrats like to call us deplorable, which makes our movement stronger. It Get works back, against them. Back in your basket, critique. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> basket of the floorboards. But yeah, no, that was it. I didn't want to talk much about it. I just wanted to bring it up because I just thought it was funny that we keep going on tax returns again. It's been like, you know, only seven, eight years since Trump's whole storyline began. And they've been like, oh, tax returns. We need to catch him. He's a fraud. Well, so yeah, let's... Now- let me actually um, segue that into, so yeah. we talked about Trump and his tax returns and whatever. And, you know, Trump, big businessman, the rest of it. Let's talk about the businesses. Let's skip a little ahead in our agenda to the businesses of America, where Biden held okay. this town hall two weeks ago. And you had this business owner who's like, I'm a small business owner. Sure, we've got hundreds of employees, but I'm a small, with 39 locations, but I'm very small. Feel bad for me. Um, and he comes in and he says, you know, hey, I'm in the restaurant business. We've been hit very hard. And, you know, and what I have very say? different opinions from Nick on this, by the way. Nick knows this. This is why you're bringing it up. Continue. And he was basically like, hey, Biden, what what are you going to do as president? What would you say um, to me who I'm trying to hire workers? I have plenty of open positions. I want to get people in the door, but, you know, I'm having a tough time hiring. And Biden was like, well, you know, your uh, sector has been pretty hit pretty hard you're going to be in a bind for a while uh, i guess you're going to have to raise your wages up a little bit so that people are going to want to work there 15 bucks an hour that's what he said and for restaurants that's pretty tough depend like if you're a restaurant in alabama 15 bucks Thank an you, hour Nick. for someone coming <laughs> in margins? that's insane like dude that. no yeah the margins are super tiny and granted like waitressing is like one of those cornerstone jobs in america where i think i don't think anyone has a bad opinion of waitressing it's honest hard work and, you know, I, at the same time, why not pay them a little bit more? But Pratik, the business owner, you tell me. What's up with right, uh, so Biden? Why is he the bad guy for wanting this uh, business because, owner to raise wages? Because think, this has been the problem. I mean, this is coming me from someone that's in a business, right? We have seen big issues with this. So we try to hire people. No one wants to work because they get more money sitting at home from the government. Then they now certain states are starting to create more mandates to get people that to force them to work because they don't want them to just sit on their butts all day making government checks. So they have to go through procedures. So now what you're seeing is employees working for a week or two weeks and then getting then quitting and then claiming unemployment benefits this has been the big case around the entire country people like joe biden are stupid that they don't really realize this stuff is going on like i mean in all honesty the person that was the small business owner is a moron that he voted for this idiot in the first place if he was about saving (laughs) no one said he voted for him he was just a guy i mean he was at the biden town hall i mean like how many republicans do you see going to democratic town halls like, a very minor portions of people. That's like seeing a bunch of Democrats going to, you know, Trump rallies. Like, you don't see that. It doesn't happen. So the reason I'm bringing this up is this is this is one of the biggest issues that is going on right now in our country. We you, we guys say the minimum wage is $7.25, right? We can't hire anybody unless you give them at least $12 to work. 
right now in your current environment. Whenever job employment, you know, stuff, unemployment stuff goes away, a lot of these people that you're overpaying, any business owner is just going to get rid of a lot of these people because you can't afford to have them. Doesn't mean that, you know, you're like mad about them being there, but you're not making that much money in a lot of these businesses that you can afford to hire all these workers at an exorbitant amount of rate. Plus, they're part-time. A lot of these minimum wage workers that we're talking about, restaurant, hotels, you know, anything like that, they work for maybe five, six hours, and that's it. That's and a good point, reason, but I would hardly yeah. call $12 exorbitant. I mean, it is in some places. Depends on what state you're in. If you're in New York, it's not exorbitant. If you're in North Carolina, that's exorbitant, unless you're in Charlotte. Um, I mean, it all depends on where you are. Some states have it worse than other states because of where they're located. So cost of living are much lower in some places and, you know, the prices that they charge. But the thing about all this stuff, which we had to remember, what have you seen in any restaurants nowadays? What happens when, have you gone to a Taco Bell recently? How expensive is Taco Bell? Taco Bell used to have like, you know, their $1 menu. Now you can't find things unless it's like you're paying four or five bucks. They've even limited their menu because they can't afford to provide all those offerings. Same as any restaurant. Every restaurant has jacked up their prices because of the rise in minimum wage. It's not it's not implemented, but it's basically happened. I can't find a worker unless I'm paying them eleven fifty to twelve bucks an hour minimum. So and then they expect more, obviously. So I can't get them, you know, to start at that rate. So my point is that every is he hasn't done anything. All is done is just raise prices and, you know, costs have gone up and the money you're paying them has gone up. So now they're still able to buy the same amount of things they were able to buy before. They're just paying more money. It's just more bills. And this is why this um, Powell guy has been all about inflation for so long. But no one wants to hear him because Powell is like a moron. You know, you can't you can't listen to that guy. He's he Powell, by the way, has the best speeches I've any ever seen. No politics here. I'm just being general. Like Powell is hated by Republicans and Democrats alike. Everyone hates the Federal Reserve Chair. Doesn't matter who it is. They hate him because they say things that, you know, people don't want to hear. And this has been the situation with Powell. Powell's speeches are so well written. Whatever is the smart guy that writes his, whatever Bozo writes his thing, that guy's a genius. And it, the it's reason, actually Nick. Nick's been yeah. writing his speeches. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just, but my point is that Biden's been talking about this stuff, but it literally shows why so many business owners didn't vote for this guy. And I don't blame them. And the irony is that you have all these big businesses, your Walmart, your Amazons, your Microsoft, the people that are supposed to be Republican but have been Democrats for generations. Those people, yeah, those people were all about Biden. Biden was God. He was great. Trump, man, you can't have Trump. Trump's bad for business. Trump doesn't know what he's doing. He's a moron. But, I mean, if Trump was here in this situation, I doubt Trump would have said something stupid like that. But Biden does, and Biden's voter base loves it because he's Biden. Biden can't do any wrong towards labor because labor continues to get money to sit at home, and employers continue to suffer to try to pay bills because cost of everything has gone up and no one wants to purchase their products anymore. Like, this is the situation in our current country. He can do wrong. Um, him lifting the eviction moratorium on Saturday or letting it expire, that's him doing wrong. That's people that's that are, doing on right. the left who are going to be pi- No, people on the left are going to be pissed at him for yeah, it. People true. on labor are going to be pissed about him for it. Pratik, you may praise him for it, but people on the left are not going to be his fans because of it. Oh, 
Let me let me talk about this story though. So let's move on to Biden to allow eviction moratorium to expire. You don't want to, you don't want Tyler to get in here. He's a small business, no, you know. He's he's an entrepreneur. Oh yeah yeah yeah, Tyler man. I, all I had to say was you guys talk about the Federal Reserve and I'm like one Bitcoin is still one Bitcoin, inflation or not. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say. All right. So in terms of eviction moratorium, so. Whenever we think of the housing situation since COVID happened, you've had a lot of people that haven't been able to pay rent. You've had a lot of, in terms of a lot of states too, in terms of hotels, which we've seen, didn't really happen much in North Carolina, but it did, um, where people were staying and they weren't paying. Literally, that's the best way I can put it. And, you know, because they didn't, uh, they had all these rules in place by the government to make sure because, you know, a lot of people got laid off because of all this COVID stuff going on, that you couldn't force people to be evicted. Now, um, the Biden administration basically announced that it will allow a nation, the nationwide ban on evictions to expire. Um, this is a very Republican thing. Um, generally speaking, the people that have been hurt the most because of this stuff is just apartments, um, you know, other landowners, hotels, anyone, any type of lodging um, situation where people haven't paid any rent for so many months. Because and that's only caused them their expenses to go up because they can't afford to you know have people stay for free obviously, and this has been a big issue. So Biden allowing it to expire obviously in my opinion is a good thing, but that's because I am from that side that owns lodging type thing, lodging accommodations. Yeah. But, but I, I also people, have a point to make here. Yeah. Here because like so I have a family member that they they rent out they rented out a house mm -hmm. and the house wasn't paid for. In over a year and a half, the people were able to pay. They had the funds to pay, just refused to pay the money. And eventually, my family member had to pay them $10,000 to leave. And it was like a, just a horrific situation. So I'm, I'm sure there are cases where people are really struggling. They can't make their ends meet, can't make their payments. They need somewhere to live, and that's terrible. But there are also cases where people are like, fuck it. Why should I pay rent if I don't have to? And actually, sorry, I had that happen to two family members. So it's just, um, I see both sides of this issue. It has to end eventually. You can't just say, all right, free living forever. Like, I mean, the people running the properties are losing money throughout this whole process. And maybe they can't afford to upkeep that. So we got to consider both sides here. Nick, you have any thoughts on this? Oh boy, do I have thoughts on this. It's been a long time since I've grappled with anything regarding housing, rent control, the rest of it. Generally, Pratik, I, I know you're going to parrot the uh, Friedman line. It's like, oh, you know, government, they come in with good intentions and they screw the whole thing up. You, you're distorting the markets, so you're making it so that actually less people have access to housing. You're ruining everything. But on the, on the same side, like, if the government is coming in with a mandate to say, like, you must stay home, you are not allowed to work in certain industries, you are not allowed to support yourself, then I think they also have to go the extra step and say, hey, we're going to give you housing assistance or do something where, on the one hand, sure, I do feel really bad, frankly, for anyone who's the victim of someone just frankly being an asshole about squatters' rights and just not moving out of a place when you're not paying rent. And it's, it's a little tricky, but what Tyler said about the family members, that's a crappy situation. I think that people should be evicted and thrown out. Go find somewhere else to live. Um, but on the same side... For some of this stuff, someone needs to end up paying for this at, at some rate. And if again, if government is telling you, hey, you have to stay home, you cannot work, you have to remain indoors, and if your livelihood, you're not allowed to 
you know, actually go practice that, pursue that and bring an income, then how are you ever supposed to be able to pay for your housing? And so I think government does. But is the government still saying that? Like, I feel like at this point you get the vaccine, like, sure, there are risks for everyone. Mm -hmm. But to say that you can't go do that, I'm not sure. It's not the beginning of the pandemic where that was. Right. No, I'm just saying for for that part of it. Now, at this at this point, I think it's fine. And also, dude. All right, dude, let me let me uh, bend over real quick. I've been reading this book, uh, Capital in the 21st Century by Thomas Piketty. I don't know I how read to that book it. It's too, French. Man. It's French, Piketty. dude. I don't know. Big book. So in any case, I'm only 160 pages in. I'm going to have to give it back to the library before I can finish this beast of a, a book. <laughs> but one thing actually really stood out to me that I did want to bring up. It's the fact that you know back in the 17th and 18th century, land was the big thing. Everyone was nervous about agricultural landowners basically having like a stranglehold on capital and on the economy. And then, of course, capital finds better ways through industrialization and then financial tools and the rest of it. There are better uses for your capital. You can make more money investing in other areas so that such that, you know, the value of these agricultural holdings goes down over time and these financial instruments and other things, industrial capital that goes up. But one thing that kind of freaked me out was looking at the trend lines for how much capital is invested in housing and what the returns are it's a freaky amount dude like it's not a bad idea to be a landowner or and actually rent things out um in terms of buildings and granted you had the 08 crash and there's obviously some risk no matter what but i don't know i feel like the trend is especially as people have been moving into cities over the past what you know, 40, 50 years where everyone's just moving toward, and granted, they've been doing it more than that, but especially after the wars, it's like, all right, let's move in the city. That's where the big jobs are going to be. That's the opportunities. And housing stock, especially in places like D.C., where we've already talked about this, about zoning and local government yeah. saying, hey, you can only build a certain amount of residential, you know, units, and you've got to keep on expanding and urban sprawl and all those issues. But it does kind of freak you out, the amount of financial power that um, landlords end up having in the country. And it's like, how are we going to balance that out? Either you need to build more dwelling units and revise the zoning standards, or you got to figure out ways to curtail the crazy inflation that's been going on in housing. And I don't know how you do that as opposed to just increasing supply because people are charging more money now for renting in my area, for example, outside of DC than they were pre-pandemic like way more money. And granted, you expect it to go up year over year, but it's really going up at crazy amounts because these people have lost so much and they're trying to recoup everything all at once. So I've always been a strong proponent of um, reducing property restrictions. I think that's one of the biggest causes. Sure, like city by city. Some cities like D.C. and New York have like more rent control issues and they have more, you know, more people in general that they have to worry about. You don't have as many homeless rates in a lot of these other states around the country as much as you do in a lot of those bigger cities just because there isn't supply. So I would argue that that would be my solution. I wouldn't make it a nationwide solution. I would just argue that bigger cities need to have less property restrictions so more people can build homes because it's so expensive to build anything nowadays that unless like you reduce some of the restrictions that you have on zoning and you know regulations that you have on how tall or high a building can be like you know like in dc a building can't be as big as the washington monument when you until you get rid of things like that and until you start building up like you're always going to have a lot of these issues in big cities but let's move on to a less exciting story which i think is hilarious just because i love sports and white house backs the cleveland indians changing their names to the cleveland guardians 
So back in the day, I don't know if you guys remember, all of last year, the Washington football team used to be called the Washington Redskins, and they made a big deal about this, and then the geniuses that are in the Washington camp couldn't come up with a better name other than football team because, you know, they couldn't think of anything. It was all like, oh, man, I don't know what we can be. And the football team they had the best season that they've had in like 20 years since they didn't have a football team name. The Redskins were always bad, and the Washington football team right now is one of the strongest NFL teams, and they won the NFC East by a landslide. At least, or they're projected to in the next year, and they won last year barely, but they did win. So, after many years. So, uh, this is hilarious to me because the Cleveland Indians, same story. In Native Americans are not pissed off because their team is called Cleveland Indians. It's just liberals, and they decided to change their name. From Indians to Guardians, which is also the stupidest name you can come up with. What is a Guardian? Cleveland Guardian. Sounds like Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's in Cleveland. Like, I don't know. But I just find this to be hilarious that a lot of these team names have been the same for generations. And now they're just like, whoa, we can't stand it, dude. All those Native Americans that haven't said anything on the Cleveland Indians topic are all getting pissed off right now. We need to change the name instantly because it's so discriminatory towards Native Americans. So we can't call it Indian. And personally, I'm an Indian. I like having a team name called the Indians. It's like, yo, it's one of us. But they're not. Um, but yeah, yeah no, so no. Guardians. So, yeah, but Pratik, you're I an Indian from... Indian. That's yeah, different. but I'm still an Indian. <laughs> At least I'm more Indian the, the in board, terms man. of the terminology than the Native Americans are. If they pissed yeah. off about it. So, I mean, Indians are us, man. Well, you know, here, we got a team thing. name. I remember I was taking a literature class my senior year of college, and then throughout the class we were reading a book about some Native Americans and like how they were going to boarding school in the mid nineteen early nineteen hundreds, and it was just like a terrible environment for them and all all the rest. But basically, the whole class we spent talking about this. It, the conversation inevitably led to why are we allowed to have teams like the Washington Redskins, Cleveland Indians, and such? And everyone's agreeing, of course. Everyone's like, "Hoorah! Why have these? It's awful." And then I go home and I look it up, and then the surveys. And statistics basically said nine out of ten Native Americans didn't actually give any fucks about any of this. So it's really just white liberals that are going, we don't like this, so we shouldn't have this. It seems like it's not, it's not hurting anyone. Um, I'm a, I'm perfectly happy with you changing your name for whatever reason you want, and if this is your reason, go ahead. That, that's good for you. But like to change it because you have these liberal white people saying. Oh, you need to change it because you're discriminating against these people. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I don't think the data backs it up, and I think it's just a big virtue signal, and I think that's all the Biden administration is doing by supporting it. That's fair, but Tyler, I would say, let's take the Redskins, for example. Um, so Redskins were historically, like, that term was historically associated with the scalping of American Indians, and so for that... You know, the National Congress of American Indians actually came out and said, like, hey, we do not like this name. You know, granted, you mentioned that survey where people are like, ah, generally, I don't really care. But um, the organized political bodies for Native American tribes generally are opposed to a lot of these names. And so I would say that the, the white liberals pushed it over the edge and made it so that it had to change. But the people originally bringing it up were some of these native organizations, or not native organizations, but American Indian organizations that actually said like, hey. You can't uh, call them American Indian. That's discriminatory. You gotta That's call them their, native uh, Americans. That's the official <laughs> legal name. But here's, here's, here's what happens, dude. They just fade into uh, whatever. Like they, are, they have less part of the culture now. Even if it wasn't a part that they necessarily liked, they didn't like the name, whatever. Land of like, Lakes, dude, the butter. I still cry about it. It was my favorite brand. 
Oh, like, but... people know Native Americans own casinos, and that's all they have right now. And now we're taking away the the baseball team and the uh, the football team that they had. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like... I guess I, I can't speak too much on this, obviously not being a Native American, but in my opinion, from my vantage point on the outside, it just didn't seem like that big of a deal. It didn't seem like it was hurting people. I don't see a Native American on the street and go, hey, Redskin or whatever. Like, that's not something that happens. Um, but sorry, Pratik? I would, I would just argue, I don't really care about the situation. Yeah, everybody has their opinions. I just hate that they can't come up with team names, man. Like, what Guardians? <laughs> Washington football team is one of the, like, you know, the longest existing franchises in the history of football. They haven't come up with a team name. They're still going by Washington football team. It's hilarious. Like, and now Cleveland Guardians. Like, at least come up with something, you know, unique. But like Cleveland Lions or something. You know, like something like, oh, wow. Not not Guardians. That sounds stupid. I just, I don't really care about the situation. Everybody can have their opinion. Didn't really impact me. I don't really care if we call them the Redskins or don't call them the Redskins. Sure, Redskins sounds more offensive than Indians. Indians just sounds basic. But regardless... Whatever, we can have opinions about that. But I just think these people need to come up with better team names. It's hilarious that these people can't come up with team names, and their team names they come up with, or don't come up with, make it sound so stupid. All right, so Pratik so. is coming at this very lighthearted, you know, dumb team names. How do you feel, then, about the Olympic stuff with uh, Simone Biles, where oh. she wasn't able to compete at the uh, last stage because, uh, one, mental health, and two, I think... I forget if her ankle was feeling a little shaky or if there was something where she was legitimately concerned that she could uh, hurt herself pretty badly. So I wanted to talk about this too. So when it comes to Simone Biles, I don't really have a strong opinion. She's a gymnast. I don't really watch gymnastics in Olympics. The only Olympians that they've talked about out of the, you know, how many gold medals have we won? 41 total um, out of that. We're already Sorry. balling. Actually, actually, we, the the women female gymnastics won the all around without Simone as well. So forty one total U.S. medal count, fourteen gold, sixteen silver, eleven bronze, and the only thing you've ever heard about in the Olympics has been Simone Biles. And I I think news coverage about this stuff is horrible. Like why why is that the only thing? Is she like the only gold medalist that you care about? Why? Because she was supposed she's to be the greatest gymnast of all time. That's why. It's like, uh, she's like the Michael Jordan of gymnastics. Yeah, she has like, name she, recognition. She's done move. She's done move that no one else has ever even attempted to do. And the judges actually said, we can't reward you fully for these moves because it's too dangerous and we don't want other people attempting it. Like, she's she's just, like, brilliant in that regard. And she's competed so while her high before, expectations. which is what's more interesting about this is, like, people are knocking her for not competing. And meanwhile, like, in the past, she's like any other athlete who's at the highest levels, like you're fighting through injuries all the time. She's dealt with stuff in the past. And this is just the one thing where it's like, okay, you're on the world stage. Like Tyler was saying, like I, like me, Pratik, Tyler, none of us watch gymnastics regularly, dude. This is the only time we really tune in and care. And so honestly, I'm sure like people would have tuned in <coughs> to some of these previous things, but Frankly, like, unless it's on the world stage like this, if you're like, imagine if Michael Phelps was like, sorry guys, I can't get in the pool today, I'm just not feeling it. People would be pissed off. Throw a tantrum. I, I yeah, people say, people say there's a double standard. Like, there's actually a few variables. I, I don't know if this is true or not. I heard a clip online basically saying, she's taken Adderall since she was a kid, and in Japan you're not allowed to take Adderall. And that could have had something to do with the fact that she mentally wasn't perfectly there. But they, uh, Simone Biles was arguing she had something called the twisties. Which essentially means when you're uh, doing your gymnastic routine and you're in the air, 
you kind of lose your sense of space. So your spatial awareness goes and you might hurt yourself. And that's what kind of what she was arguing. Um, but so yeah, as no. far as that goes, that's fine. I don't think she was physically injured. The one thing I have a problem with is to say just mental health. Is this like, does she have mental health issues? Because like pressure can affect your mental health. It doesn't mean you're dealing with a mental illness necessarily. So I'm not sure the terminology was necessarily correct. Um, but overall, like again, I've, I've never been the greatest of all time in anything. So let alone uh, being on the world stage, being only 24 years old, that's a lot of pressure. The one thing I just have to say is like, when you're in a team sport, you generally you you go you go to the end unless you physically can't. So if this twisties thing is real, then fair enough. You shouldn't compete. You could hurt yourself. But if it was really just a pressure thing, you're like you just could, couldn't feel in that regard. I have little less less respect for her. But ultimately, she's still considered the greatest of all time. She's coined four moves in the sport and does things no one else can do. So I mean, I can't talk too poorly of her. And like you said, we follow gymnastics what once every four years like it's not like the most prominent thing people are just up in arms because you're supposed to be sporting america you're supposed to be our greatest athlete you're not competing to the highest highest level but you know i gotta i have a soft spot i gotta say these things happen maybe it just wasn't her time and that that's fine so i wanted to just add this um obviously my only thing about simone biles is i feel like she's talked about a lot more than every other gym a lot a lot more than any other gold medalist and i just wanted to talk about who are the other gold medalists because i feel like this is important americans should know who are their gold medal winners like in india whenever someone wins a medal forget about gold medal they have a movie dedicated to them for americans <laughs> we don't even know who our medals medal winners Can are I because we win why? everything no, no, I can, I can explain why. It's because yeah. no other country has the, the same, well, in some regards, Except like, China, in Europe, maybe. you have soccer, in India, you have, like, uh, cricket and stuff, but over here, when you have, like, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, we have so many established sports that we consider to be the center of the world in some regard, the Olympics itself doesn't matter as much, because we already have our epic competitions every year, but other countries, they all don't have those same organization set up so i think that's part of it but you're right we're expected to win we're expected to be the best and because of that we don't get as much credit for it and the athletes don't get as much credit. like for the shooting for example it's like if the united states is not winning the skeet shooting events like what the hell are we doing here and we won <laughs> we expect to win but yeah no so this is i just want to list out all the gold people just so y'all know who it is so in, in terms of artistic gymnasts um we had a gold medalist suni lee one for women's all around we had the first we had a gold medal in women's basketball three versus three which was won by alicia gray kelsey plum stephanie dolson and jackie young then we also won gold in fencing which was won by lee Kiefer. she beat the mm. russians it was crazy it was, was an intense yeah. competition went to the last minute but she won obviously no one's gonna remember the fencing champion but I mean, Dude, she foil won. fencing? Get out of here. Of course I'm going to remember. And Pratique, then, I love how you're like, the American I'm going to... flag mask? Pratique, I love how you're like, let me introduce these gold medal, medal winners because it's important that people know them. And then three people in, you're like, oh, this one, who cares about this event? People are going to forget <laughs> about this in a second. Yeah, no, we, no, we but care I'm about just, 3v3 being, women's basketball, but not fencing. Get out I'm of just, here. I'm just being honest that this is the issue. And, and in terms of shooting, um, goal, three goals were won. Men's 10-meter air rifle was won by William Shaner. 
Men's skeet was won by Vincent Hancock. And women's skeet was won by Amber English. Then you had a gold in surfing, which was won in women's by Carissa Moore. And then we had a lot of medals in swimming. We had 24 medals in total. But we only had six gold medalists, which was Caleb Dressel for 100-meter freestyle, Bobby Fink for 800-meter freestyle, um, Chase Kalisk for 400-meter individual medley. Women's 100-meter breaststroke was won by Lydia Jacoby, and women's 1,500-meter freestyle was won by Katie Ledecky. And then we had a gold in Taekwondo, which was won by Anesthesia Zolotic. So I just want to bring that up. I think it's cool that we know these people. We should know who our gold medalists are. I feel like we should be proud of being Americans because America wins everything. I mean, it sounds great and all, but I feel like all these other countries have so much pride for their countries. Whether you're from like Slovenia or like Czech Republic, you're like, oh man, my team, we need to win. With America, we need to be happy that we have so many gold medalists and we shouldn't take that stuff for granted. Because the amount of time and effort a lot of these Olympians put into their art and craft is a lot and americans in general even if we don't win the gold in every tournament in any competition we at least win bronze like that's such a big feature like who would ever remember a time in terms of olympics where one country was able to win literally everything if not everything at least be close to winning everything and sure china and japan have a lot of medals right now but in terms of america america does this stuff all the time so when we see olympics we should feel proud and we should feel happy that we're americans there you go. I, I got two points on that. One, there's a distinct lack of table tennis champions from America. We really need to step up our game over the next 10, 20 years. Can't let this China dominance overtake us. We need to get our game on there. Also, <laughs> I think it's hilarious how Russia still gets to compete under the Russian Olympic Committee. And somehow oh, that's supposed to be... <laughs> That's supposed to be vastly different, and we're all supposed to pretend it's not just Russia. It's like, I get they don't get to play their national anthem. They're probably singing it anyway, like it matters at all. So I just thought that was really funny because even when I was, I was watching tennis at one point, and the guy mentioned, he was like, he just said Russia. Didn't say Russian Olympic Committee. Like, who cares? Like, who says that? Obviously, they're from Russia. We get that. How about they just don't compete at all because they cheated for like 40 years and that be the law for a few years but all right okay let's let them compete and pretend it they're not russia you have to let russia compete i mean they're russia you have to have some american rival there's only one clear <laughs> clear american rival i know china is trying to be like it's us but it's always been russia i mean if you kick out russia then there's no olympics you had to have russia involved even if they cheat mm. they all cheat to yeah. some degree I'm sure China cheats, but they're the government, so you oh. wouldn't know. China, like, they they pick you out as, like, a five-year-old and train you for whatever sport. <laughs> what they actually do, and they've done this. I watched the video. They actually do this specifically in tennis as well. They were trying to up their tennis game because it only recently came to the country. They basically take you at, like, four or five years old, see what your best attributes are, and regardless of what you want, they go, what you, what you are is best suited for X sport, and they train their whole lives doing that one sport, even if they don't like it. Uh, it's a very hardcore system. It's all—it's almost like Russian-esque in that way. But yeah, I mean, I—you know—America seems to always be taking the Ws. So, good for us. Good for us. All right. So we're gonna end it off with one Biden gaffe of the week. So Biden um, went to some kind of trucking convention type thing, and I'm not absolutely sure, but it was something to do with truckers. It was and just he was a company. Talking to- he was looking oh, at a okay. U.S. trucking company. Hey guys, just the um, floor. you're gonna get. You're going to get automated out in a few years. It's good to see you, though. <laughs> I hope you're doing well. So Biden, Biden saw an 18-wheeler truck, 
and was like, man, I, I used to drive one of those things. He's like, I used to drive an 18-wheeler, man, um, with him clarifying that he got to drive one. And this was challenged by Fox News um, that was trying to find if there was actual evidence of him actually driving an 18-wheeler truck. And they found one picture in December 1973, which shows Biden rode in an 18-wheeler, but they have no evidence whether he actually drove one. So this is funny to me. I don't, I don't know what Biden gains from lying about driving in an 18-wheeler truck, but and there's no evidence well, that relatable. he did, and there's also no evidence that he did it. I mean, like, let's be honest. He might have. Who knows? But yeah. I just find this funny that this made it to the news, and they have to have something about Biden, and Biden lied about the dumbest thing if he actually did lie about this. And even if he didn't, this is actually a funny story because he referred to this trucker as man. So, all right, <laughs> that's all we got. Hey, dude, back <laughs> in the day, Biden was actually uh, an Olympic gymnast. I don't know if you know. <laughs> yeah he was a gymnast exactly yeah but look biden says a lot of crap i I was i recently saw a video it was about a minute long of his son smoking crack while he was denouncing crack during the war on drugs and saying it's how it's going to be illegal and we're going to (laughs) prosecute you for x number of years for it so hey you know is what it is he says a lot of stuff we'll just go along with it and uh, see what happens but with that you guys have any final comments for the week or are we going to wrap it up let's wrap it up All right, that's been episode 38 of Politicana. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. Later.